Welcome to the leadership series on the sofa with Angie. I'm Angie Vo, the founder and CEO of Women in Tech Forum, and I'm joined today by Jenna Lindbergh, who is a senior customer success manager at Content Square. Jenna, it's an absolute pleasure to chat to you today. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, pleasure's all mine. Thanks for having me, Angie. Thank you. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about um, your role as a customer success manager at Content Square. Yeah, sure. So customer success at Content Square is a bit of being a circus uh, master and ringleader as well as you know being a technology expert. Content Square is a customer experience analytics tool. So anyone with a website or an app that wants to understand how people are doing on their website, are they able to you know, make that purchase? Are they able to complete a payment and really understand where people might be stumbling or having friction points would look at our data. So our customer success managers connect with our customers, A, to help them really understand how to use the tool uh, and B, to make sure that they're getting value and ROI out of their partnership with us. So they're really the heartbeat of the connection between our customers and our product and our, our commercial teams. Thank you. And you've been in the tech industry for uh, many years. You've worked for big multinational companies such as Apple, as well as rapidly growing scale ups such as Eventbrite when it was pre 100 employees. And um, what shaped some of your uh, career direction and key learnings during this process? Yeah, I, I definitely have had a breadth of experiences. And I think some of the key learnings that I took away from this, especially early in my career, was just to be led by curiosity. You know, I kind of stumbled into technology. My degree and background was in communications and international business, but I graduated at a time that was during the financial crisis. There just weren't any jobs. And I moved to San Francisco kind of on a whim. And in San Francisco, it was just this booming time where technology was king and that's where the jobs were. But I think like many women, I was really intimidated when I was younger to consider a career in a STEM-led uh, type of sector because technology and science and maths just weren't really pitched as roles for women. And it was really intimidating, but um, I really enjoyed it. And I think the the thing that the curiosity leading and the kind of how that changed my career trajectory was when really cool opportunities came up, like being recruited to Apple yeah, I didn't know much about it, but I saw some real opportunity to grow and to push the boundaries and to learn. And that really just kept leading me to more and more interesting opportunities. Um, and I think something I learned a bit too, working at a large multinational company, I mean, Apple was a maybe non-traditional large uh, company, but it was still 30,000 employees. It was actually, that wasn't for me. And I think another key learning I took away from that range of kind of different kinds of companies was that just because something is good doesn't necessarily mean it's good for you at that specific time in your career. And at a time where there were so many cool companies growing, where I could have a real impact and be one of maybe a smaller team, I felt like I would grow more and learn more in my time in a small scale up. So I took a bit of a, a leap away from a very nice, cushy uh, brand name. And honestly, it was the best decision I ever made. So kind of key learning and maybe some advice for anyone else that's thinking about it is just take some risks and be curious and be led by what's going to teach you the most and grow you the most. Don't take the safe route. Absolutely. I love that. Be curious. And I think one of the great things about the tech industry is that it's constantly evolving mm -hmm. and new technologies are coming out. So it forces us to 
have that growth mindset to be curious and also to create our own opportunities for the future. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. And who have been some of the role models who've influenced your career? Uh, I'll give you a personal example and then someone who's inspiring, but definitely not someone I know personally. I think as cheesy as it sounds, one personally for me was actually my dad. Uh, I grew up in a family that was entrepreneurial. My dad started a business when he was 27, actually before I was born. And so I really got to see what that investment and hard work looked like and was there for the ups and the downs and saw a lot of the successes and some of the failures and how you moved through those. And it gave me a lot of confidence that, you know, I love the phrase that success is not final and failure is not fatal. And uh, you learn a lot through getting to ride along with that with a family. Also, I think, you know, my dad came from pretty humble beginnings. He didn't really have a lot of role models. He was the first in his family to go to university. And the fact that he was able to just have that the guts and the courage to try something. I think I never really saw barriers of what wasn't possible, right? I, I didn't find uh, somebody telling me that I couldn't do something. Any idea I had, oh, we'll give that a try. And that confidence that he gave me was such a gift. Um, and I think maybe the third thing about that is as a girl, he really never sh- you know, shielded me from financial conversations or talking through business problems. So I didn't see that my place wasn't in the boardroom as you know the, the person making decisions. I felt like I really had a place in that and had ideas that were valuable. So for me, that's been one of my biggest role models and probably was the foundation for why I've been successful. Um, non-personal role model, definitely as a woman, a bit of a cheesy one as well, but Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is uh, the first woman on the Supreme Court justice, I mean, all the natural things. She was the first Supreme Court justice as a woman. She broke barriers. She was a real advocate for human rights and for gender equality. But something that about her story that I learned, I actually did a book report on her when I was really young, was that when she first kind of broke through her first case about gender equality, she'd been going at it from like the same angle of like, here's women who've been, you know, treated poorly. These are things that should be overturned. But actually how she broke through was the first case was about how a man was being treated unfairly. And by going at it in a totally creative and different way, that was what really changed things in the United States in terms of gender equality in the tax system. So I think in, when I'm in a, a you know really difficult position, I kind of think, what would RBG do? And is there a different way I could go about this? It might have a different you know outcome than the same thing I've been trying over and over. I love that. Well, wasn't it um, (laughs) Einstein's definition of insanity was doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results? And sometimes, um, you know, approaching things differently and trying different strategies can lead to different outcomes. And I think that's one of the great things about being in the tech sector is that it can be very creative and you're finding new ways of solving problems that perhaps didn't exist 10 or 20 years ago. Certainly. I mean, customer success didn't even exist 10 years ago. So (laughs) definitely finding new ways to do things every day. Absolutely. And you have a passion for connecting people and cultures across different markets. You've had a very international career and you've also spent a lot of time working for an American company tapping into European markets. What was sort of some of your experiences and key learnings um, during that process? uh, There's so many learnings constantly. And I think anyone who's worked for an American company knows that 
with the best intentions. Uh, a lot of times the launch process goes a lot like this. Hey, we have a really successful company in the United States. Let's take that playbook and launch it everywhere. And it's going to be perfect. <laughs> and it very rarely goes that way. There's so much nuance to your go-to-market strategy, especially in Europe, where going a hundred miles means totally different cultures, accents, histories, communication, and uh, you know styles and preferences. Where in the states, that's just not the case, right? The variance is not nearly as as wide, uh, and so that playbook does work in a 350 million person society where there isn't as big of a variance. When you come into international markets, you really have to go at it and think locally first and take a lot of time to listen and to ask questions about how other people have done things, what's been successful, what hasn't. Unfortunately, I think we see it over and over again with a lot of American companies that their first step in, they just go at it with a plan and they're used to being able to fail fast and adjust and iterate. But sometimes taking the time to pause and listen, I think both shows respect for the companies and the maybe the you know maverick companies that were investing in you first that were your first local customers but also you don't really get a chance to make a first impression twice and people can feel when you're trying to force an american strategy down their throat <laughs> and they know when you spell organization with a z in all of your marketing materials that it's not for them so um i think just taking some time to really be intentional and thoughtful and listen and know that you're doing something that's different than your original strategy can make a huge difference. So that's something I've I've taken away with most of my company and my experiences. Yes, it's sort of thinking locally and acting globally um, and sort of taking what works as a global strategy, but also picking up on those cultural nuances and what works and how you do business locally as well. Certainly. So you've also been the first person on the ground for an American company sort of launching into to Europe. I'd love to hear more about that experience and and what it's like uh, being the first person on the ground building, you know, uh, out of European markets. Yeah, experience it was. That was probably one of the most uh, influential moments in my career, genuinely, was taking the leap uh, to move over for a company called Mixpanel. I was based in New York at the time, was working and covering what they called rest of world, which was everything outside of the United States. Uh, and they gave me the opportunity to move over to the UK and launch their first international office. Um, so I was first boots on the ground. I was in a small glass WeWork box by myself for a few months. We did get a launch team over <clears throat> to help, which we are still a mighty team of four. And honestly, it was it's a real challenge. And I think it's not just so much that you're you know new to a country and you're trying to figure out how to open bank accounts and you know what how the NHS system works, but it's also the fact that there's really no village, there's no community around you. And I was so by myself in a lot of scenarios. And when your headquarters and your team are nine hours time different, you have to make a lot of decisions on your own and it was such a, an educational experience and I learned a lot of resilience and I learned a, a lot of confidence in myself to try a lot of things that were outside of my remit. It's also really atypical for a company to launch their office with a customer success team. We happen to have a really big base of customers in Europe and in the Middle East. Um, so I had that opportunity, but I was hiring you know, people that were in legal and HR and marketing and 
doing events on stage and, you know, trying to build a go-to-market strategy, I was well unprepared for all of these activities, but I just kind of you know, dived in and gave it a go. And I learned so much in that. And there are some things that had I not had that exposure or put myself in a really uncomfortable position, I probably wouldn't have had nearly as much learnings. And it would have been years before I'd been in a leadership position to be able to have exposure to some of those activities. Um, so yeah, really interesting, very challenging. Uh, and definitely I can say uh, if you ever get a chance to do that, it's just such an education. So give yourself the chance. What a phenomenal opportunity. And it's in those moments of discomfort that the greatest growth happens as well. And how have you integrated some of those learnings um, into sort of your leadership style? How has it helped shape you as a leader? Yeah, I think uh, for me, I, I tend to be someone who pushes my my teams and my direct reports, as they can probably tell you, to think outside the box, to take risks, to uh, kind of take a penchant for action rather than sitting and waiting on something. I think that tends to be uh, making a huge stereotype, an American business style that potentially in Europe, I haven't seen, uh, there's not as much of a, a natural tendency to, or you know, towards risky decisions or risk uh, decision-making. So that's something that I really lead with is it's okay to fail. And what do we learn from that? And how do we iterate? I don't want you to make the same mistakes twice, but creating that sense of psychological safety that we're all learning and it's okay to try things. And of course, no one's going to get it right, but um, really giving people that professional respect and the confidence that that is how we're going to grow and learn and that you've got a team around you to help. Um, and I think also the cultural awareness, I mean, I think something you guys have a lot more exposure to in Europe because your neighbors are you know, international, where we didn't necessarily have that growing up uh, when I was younger. But I think just being able to approach every situation, knowing that the person across from you may have a different culture or a different communication style or a different way of viewing that problem and really thinking about that person across the table from you rather than just what you need and what the business interaction is and making sure that my team are really focused on the relationship building and the fact that we're doing business with people. Um, and it comes down to just taking the time to get to know them and, and be intelligent about how you approach a situation. Absolutely. Um, and you're also passionate about mentoring as well and sort of sharing all of your learnings with others. How do you go about finding new mentees? <laughs> I've had a few that fell into my path, uh, which they were very eager and asked me to, to you know, be a mentor. So those were maybe the simpler solutions. But I think there's also something really beautiful about people that maybe haven't had the exposure to like I didn't to STEM or technology um, or potentially maybe came from backgrounds that they don't have family members or people that had travel or international experience, for instance, or even just ever gone into professional jobs. Um, and so I do a lot of volunteer work. Sometimes I end up finding people that, especially in high school age that I'm working alongside through that, um, are, are just people that seem like they're worth the investment. And I tend to be very direct, as you can imagine. So I come on a bit strong, but I've tried to just create those opportunities to go for coffee. Being, I, I really enjoy the the possibility in youth, and I was very much like that. So looking for people that have that spark, but maybe the little bit lack of direction or framework around them to be successful. Um, and I think also 
being able to put myself in scenarios where I'm around people that aren't just my peer group, right? And I think the volunteer opportunities and some of the organizations help with that because they're well outside of people that are already immersed in tech and international travel. Um, So that's definitely a a way I've been able to find some diamonds in the rough. Oh, well, thank you. And um, it's always important to give back as well and share our learnings with other people. And as you said, to give them opportunities that perhaps they wouldn't otherwise have had or thought of. Um, Jenna, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today. Thank you so much for, for joining us for this interview. It's been really interesting and lots of great learnings. Thank you. Thanks so much for the opportunity, Angie. It's been a pleasure.